this dude oh, okay all right we'll try to we'll try to keep it around the hour mark what's up guys we're live uh episode number 34 and i'm joined today with noah kagan what's up bro uh living a dream in puerto rico yeah we were chatting about this a little bit before we went live so you're uh, so you're visiting fr some friends for a few weeks uh what is your initial thoughts is this your first time there uh, I've been here. This is my second time here. I'm enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. I was in the snowpocalypse. Did you hear about that in in Texas? Yeah, you guys got a little bit of snow and everybody freaked out and shit. Like I live in Canada. They're like this is my day right now. I've got about three feet outside of my front lawn. <laughs> Dude, we get like a centimeter and we we get scared. Uh, but yeah, I was trying to get out here for my birthday and uh, the snowpocalypse happened. Shit was crazy. So I still don't have water. Like my house is actually the ceiling collapsed. Um, so the pipes I was freeze like, and blow up and stuff or they did they did um luckily my neighbors called let me see if i have a it, i'll find a picture but anyways my my neighbors called like hey i think your house is leaking <laughs> so i i was like well <laughs> might as well just leave texas and go to puerto rico so i'm out here the beach is amazing uh my friend eric southwell he had a he says that you got to have the three c's of life and uh so we're focused on that which is sleep i don't know it's a c but sleep cardio and good friends He's like, if you have those three every day, I guess they're not C's, but they probably have they're probably not C's. But no, cardio but every day is a C, like, but... Yeah, he's focusing on that. So it's, we're trying to get good sleep, trying to have good cardio, and we have good friendships. So uh, it's been good out here. So speaking of Puerto Rico, there's a lot of guys that um, I've talked to over the last couple of years that talk about the tax advantages of living there with Act 20 and Act 22. I'm sure you know you know enough about it. And you mentioned you were talking with a bunch of... Um, I don't know. Like, are they expats if they live in Puerto Rico or, or like Puerto Rico is considered part of the United States, isn't it? Yeah, we we own it. <laughs> I mean, not me, you but America. <laughs> I'm one of the shareholders of this state. Okay. Uh, it's kind of like we it's like we took Mexico. I don't okay. know how we got some of these, but not others. It's a it's a bunch of weirdos out here, which I like, but it's it's a very specific type of person. Are they uh, like tech entrepreneur, like eight, like eight figure weirdos, kind of like you got like weirdos? Like, do you fit in? Does it feel like you're part of your tribe or? No, not entirely. No. Okay. Not, not really. It's, and it's no hate on that. Cause I think Puerto Rico, it attracts a certain person. So one of my best friends, Eric lives here. I think it attracts people that are like, Hey, I can save money on taxes. I think they like their life here. I don't know if they love it. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you're interested in like crypto, if you're interested in saving money, I guess for me, I'm like, why don't you just try to make more money and then live wherever the hell you want to live? Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess that's been my approach. But, it, dude, you're on an island. Uh, you got the beach everywhere. The vibes are good. So it is a nice place to go. I think I like visiting here more than actually living. How are the beaches? Are they as nice as like a place like Playa del Carmen or Cancun? Pretty pretty similar, actually. Yeah, pretty, pretty similar. It's okay. windy as hell. Uh, but the beaches are nice. The water's good. A lot of kite surfing. It's super windy out here. But I honestly, mm. I've only been here for a few days. So I don't have like, I need to meet more weirdos. need to see how the women look out here. The, the Mexican food's pretty damn good. Uh, so, so Puerto far, Rico, though, like, is it, is it Mexican food or is it Puerto Rican food? Because do it, they actually distinguish it? No, it, I think it's actually similar. It's similar, but different. I think they have some Mexican, but it's a lot of like rice and beans and plantains. A little wow, more so. like island vibe than uh, like inner Mexico. And you're originally from, was it L.A. or Silicon Valley? Because I know that, that, you know, you spent some time in, in the tech area because you, you did get started with uh, Facebook. Yeah, I was born in the Bay Area. So I was born like literally like a few blocks from Apple's campus. So my whole... My first 30 years of my life was all immersed in that world. How did you, how old were you when you got into Facebook? That was about 11 years ago. Dude, it was old, man. What was it? I was 23. So I was in 2005. 
so you're so, basically what like a senior citizen at 23 at facebook at the time <laughs> no we were the, dude it's so funny now because now at, at our company appsumo.com so i was 23 at facebook and i remember we hired these 30 year olds and they would leave at five o'clock and i would always call them such wussies i was like you guys are such bitches i cannot believe you're leaving so early like we stay here all night um and then like mark had this old lady as his executive coach and what I realized, though, now is now I'm in my 30s, is that the, the people who are in their 30s actually just worked really smart. They came in mm -hmm. at nine. They got all their shit done and they left at five where us young dumbasses were like, I'm here all the time, but we're not actually as productive. And uh, the older people had a lot more wisdom and experience like Mark getting an executive coach, you know, definitely helped him uh, reach these levels that he's at. So how did you get hired at Facebook at employee number 30? Because that would have been I mean, I had a business at one time with 24 four or 25 people it was definitely under under 30 for sure and i knew what that was like like what did like what was facebook like at the time like so i'll tell you a little bit of the backstory so i was in a cubicle at intel mm -hmm. so i i lived at my mom's house which i know you always tell tell guys that they're trying to get laid to live at your mom's house yeah awesome and, place uh, to live if you want to get lots of poon <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> uh, you know 1400 square foot small bay area house and i was living at my mom's house and I was doing a lot of these side hustles. Mm -hmm. That's what they're called now. I was just doing projects. You know, I think it's called a project until you make money. And, and you know, when you can support yourself, it becomes a business. And I had all these kind of, I did a discount card called Ninja Card. I had a college uh, Craigslist called College Up. I did, um, I was doing consulting. I was blogging, all this different stuff. And um, while I was at Intel, I was like, I'm going to quit here. My dream is to run my own company and work abroad. Like I wanted to like start a business and then uh, be my own boss and then eventually live abroad. And I was about to quit and I saw a job on Facebook. I just, I think one of the best things that anybody can do that's young is go work for the company or the person that you admire or that you yeah. already enjoy. And I didn't, there was no other company. I wasn't looking for a job, but I was like, I love the site. I use it a lot. I was using it to like meet women. I was using it to hire people actually. When was that? 2005 you said? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was just, I think anyone just look at what you're, what are, it's on your phone. Go to your computer history. Okay. And uh, yeah, I saw that they're hiring a product manager and I was doing all this product stuff on the side. So I think that's kind of a key thing for people trying to get jobs is that it was really easy for them to hire me because I'm like, I've been doing this for fun and making money myself. So I just sent in a resume cold. I didn't have any referrals. I didn't have any friends there. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I came in for the job interview, I came with a bunch of uh, mock-ups. I said, here's all the things I think you guys should be doing. And I actually did the work for you. So I think kind of making it a no-brainer for them to hire me. And uh, yeah, I got the job. It was a fucking wild thing, man. Like the first day, I still never forgot this. First day I come in, my boss, Doug Hirsch. Uh, Doug is now a billionaire from, uh, he started GoodRx, which I don't know if it's up in Canada. Yeah, that's uh, that's like a prescription company, right? Like a pharmacy? Yeah, online? yeah. It's like yeah. you see them on TV and you can get like discounts and stuff. But anyways, the first day I come to work and Doug's the one who hired me. First day I come to work, Doug is walking out and I'm like, what the hell just happened? And Mark, Mark comes up to me. He's like, I just fired your boss. Welcome to Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, that's that's different. And so right. he fired uh because Doug wanted to sell the company to Yahoo for a billion. Oh okay, Mark yeah, that was really Mark on. didn't yeah, Mark didn't want to sell. And it, it honestly it was probably one of the biggest professional growth periods I've ever had. What did they hire you for? Like what were you doing there at the time in two thousand? So I was hired there's basically in, in tech companies you have developers and designers, and then there's these product and project managers, and the roles can be kind of blended, but I was hired as a product manager, which is Ultimately, Mark says, hey, I want you to improve the ads product. Like, here's some things I want. 
-hmm. We have to figure out the spec of it, the specifications, and then help make sure it happens. So I worked on Facebook ads, improving that, getting that going. I built the first Facebook mobile product. Um, I invented status updates. So you know Twitter, which is basically status updates. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I invented that. At, it started at Facebook before Twitter ever did it. So who's the we, guy that invited that went and invented the poke button? Because that guy needs to get like punched in the face. You don't like the poke button? Oh, the, that's a great the one. The poke button got 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 smashed like pretty like pretty early on. But I remember back in the early days, everybody would be poking you. So and so poked you, poked you. It was fun. Who was I the poke? The poke you were the poke guy, weren't you? No, I was not. But I'm definitely. I was a fan of it because it's a good way to, you know, get people's attention. And early on, they they removed this really. You know, after I was fired, they removed it. But you could see who viewed your profile. So mm. I would go poke girls and poke ex girlfriends and see when they you know viewed. So it's like some look back. Yeah, a little god mode uh, experience there. But it, dude, honestly, it was it was the most like intimidating nerve-wracking, stressful, fulfilling time, I think, of my career still to this day, which is crazy. I was only there like about a year. And they ended up firing you too. And I know that you lost your um, interest in the business. Was it stock options? Was it options? Yeah. Like, what did they offer yeah. you at the time? They offered 0.1% of the company. That was how many shares I got. Point one, yeah, because I was watching the interview that you did with um, Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, Yeah. And um, I think you said that they, at the time, because the video was last summer, that the stocks would have been worth like something like $600 million if you had them today. Yeah. Now I'm trying to get ripped rich on uh, crypto. So I'm, I'm going to bet it all, Richard, and then hopefully crypto is going to make me rich. Yeah. Let's talk about crypto in a minute. Let's not, <laughs> joking, let's not skip over the getting fired <laughs> no, part. Uh, no, I've, you know, I was talk. depressed for like, you know, this is 15 years ago. So sometimes it's wild to reflect on it. Yeah. And uh, I do think it helped me to have a chip on my shoulder. I think I was wondering if I'm, you know, if I'm honest with you, which I'm, I'm always honest, but I wondered how I kept going. Like, I was like, fuck, man, I got fired by Facebook and I got fired by Mint. And then my next company got banned by Facebook. We were doing Facebook games and payments and they banned the company. I was like, fucking A, man. Like, and now I'm, you know, professionally, I've made it to a level that a lot of people would call successful and I would call successful, but a lot of fucking failures and uh, close calls. And I, I think that that chip on the shoulder from Mark kind of not fucking me over, but firing me, like gave me that, that drive. Why did they fire you? Was it because of fit? There's a lot of different things. I think now that I'm an employer of people, I would have definitely fired me. Mm -hmm. um, I had a guy similar to me that was a young buck. I called him. He was a maverick, which mm -hmm. he, he's not supposed to be employed. And he always wanted to run his own show. And now he runs his own show. And I think that was definitely similar to me at Facebook. Uh, I didn't want to be in meetings like I excelled when we were at 30 people. And then when we got to a few hundred people, you know, I didn't want to go to meetings and have like 80 people. Literally, they'd have our discussions, not joking, our discussions about which font to use. And that's fine. That's With 80 totally... people in the meeting. No, there'd probably be about 30. Still, that's outrageous. To talk about a fucking font, dude. And yeah. I, was, I just did not. That's just that's fine. It's just not where I wanted to. Spend. I think I'm like, people are dying. Like, this is not what I want to be spending time on. And I didn't like the organization at a larger scale. And even though it's 150 scenes tiny now that they have 50,000 people. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, I needed to accept that, like, I probably need to work for myself because it's not really, I'm not really employable. Yeah. Like most guys that end up building businesses find themselves in a position where they can't, like they can't work for somebody else. Working for somebody else can be okay if you can get decent pay and you've got no risk whatsoever. Um, then it could be fun. But uh, you get a lot more flexibility. Um, question for you in your own businesses, though. Like now, as you as you go about run the, 
running them. Did you like? Did you take any lessons away from your experience with Mark Zuckerberg and working at Facebook that you then apply to your own entrepreneurial ventures? Like, were there any big aha moments? Any big takeaways? Like, oh, that shit works at Facebook, so I'm going to use it over here. Like, kind of rip off and duplicate. Yeah, I think the the number one thing that I still use this day, 15 years later, uh, is the singularity of his focus. Focusing so Mark, on one thing only. He was exceptional at it. I mean, I've worked I worked at Microsoft as an intern. I met Bill Gates. Uh, I've met you know a lot of the idols in the tech industry, and they're very they're one they're geniuses. They're above normal levels of intelligence. Like you meet them and you're like, okay, you're thinking in things beyond me. But his focus on like, for example, when I was working there. I'm a traditional entrepreneur in terms of, I like profit. Well, it's crazy. I know it's like women who don't even need men anymore, you know? Uh, and so I would go to Mark and be like, Hey, here's how we can make money in the business because I want it to be profitable. And it was, it was a more Silicon Valley business like clubhouse is today, which is we're going to grow and get super fucking huge. And then we'll make money later. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. That was just never, that's never my style. But Mark was really obsessive on, uh, Hey, I want to grow the user base. I'm just trying to grow. So if it does not grow the user base, we do not do it. And so let me give you an example with AppSumo today. Um, and I'll tell you about my personal stuff as well. With AppSumo, we have a revenue goal. And that is literally the main thing that matters in the business. And with YouTube, which is what I do full time, um, our goal is 250,000 subscribers. And that is the only goal. That is our main KPI that we are focused so fucking uh, tightly on. And I, I would definitely say that was from Mark, which is, you know, you meet a lot of entrepreneurs like, yeah, well, I'm trying to do this. And and trying to do that. And I'm, you know, my goal is not clear. And, and Mark was just very clear in where he was going. I want to ask you about um, your YouTube channel and your goal around the subscribers in a bit. But I also wanted sure. to um, chat a little bit about AppSumo and like, what is AppSumo? Like, what problem does it solve? Because this is like your big business now, right? I mean, the last video that I saw, you mentioned it was doing about $30 million a year. So this is, this is pretty significant. Like you're an eight figure um, entrepreneur at this point now. Yeah. So honestly, if, if I'm, well, I'm, damn, why do I always say that? I, no, not always, but I do say that. So I can't believe how big we are. Like when I look at our daily revenue and I look at the customers and I look at people buying and, you know, the people we help and the people we promote, I'm still in shock. Because when I started it, uh, the reason I started it was that I love deals and I love software and I love marketing and being an evangelist. And I was like, well, people always need more customers. I love promoting things. What if I just did deals on software? And it was basically, you know, it's a software deal site. And, that, and that's what it's kind of like a group on for software uh, was the first version. And I've started, I don't know, 20, 25 businesses over my life so far. And this is one of the first ones. I've worked in a few hyper growth. When you find something that works, it's different. Mm -hmm. Like when oh, I yeah. was at Facebook, it fucking exploded. When I was working at Mint.com, it exploded. When I worked at my Facebook games thing, it exploded. When I did like AppSumo and I launched it, exploded. Mm -hmm. And I've had a lot of the other ones that fucking flopped like a lot of floppage. And I think people wanted deals, people want software and all these companies want customers. So now today I would say that we've transitioned it to become more of like an Amazon. So it's a mm -hmm. marketplace for software. So if you're starting a business, you go buy tools or if you're growing a business, you buy tools. And also someone like you or people out there now can list their courses, they can list their books, they can list their software, uh, you know, as an open marketplace. You mentioned a few of them um, with great successes and hyper growth. Um, and there's a, obviously a few that, didn't get there. At what point do you decide to take it around like behind the barn, beat it with a stick, kill it, and then bury it six feet under? Like, is there after six months, if it's not doing what you want it to do, like, how do you, like, how do you evaluate that when you're playing the win in your own business? That's a very Canadian side of you, Richard. You're like, oh, we're going to take them out to the, the skating rink. 
we're, we're going to do some uh, cucking. No, not cucking. What is that called? <laughs> it's cucking. Me and my friend talk about cucking all the time out it's here. It's called hockey. Hockey. Yeah, that's your game you guys play. We're going to hockey stick it. So I will say we had a framework that was pretty rigid, uh, which is basically 12 months ROI. Mm-hmm. So we'll try anything and spend up to about a million dollars in terms of salaries and development and things like that. And can we make our money back between 12? Sometimes we'll go longer. So when we did sumo.com, it exploded. And then we were making our money back in 18 months. Uh, but let me give you two other examples. We launched Meet Fam. Meet mm-hmm. Fam in salaries, people's salaries, we paid a million dollars. And then after a year, we made 12,000 bucks. And so we didn't see that the, the, the customer base was going to get to some level. We didn't see that the user base was going to get some level. So that we killed it. And I think that's one of the key mistakes, I would say, of marketers and entrepreneurs, which is they don't stop the, the losers and they don't double down. Or I think our company has done, gotten to this level because we've 10x the winners. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Meet Fam was a whatever tool. We built a site called Hall Drop two years ago, which was like a um, product hunt for e-commerce stores. So you could you know rank and find cool products. It didn't really get a lot of traction and we tried for a year and then we killed it. So I think you have to do 12 months ROI. Why do you think AppSumo was so successful and the other ones crashed? <sighs> That's interesting. Why did AppSumo work and those didn't? So AppSumo, I think a key reason AppSumo works is urgency. So if you get an email today that's like, hey, I launched my book, go check it out. Or hey, here's the software, go check it out. There's no reason to go to take action today. Mm-hmm. But AppSumo was like, yo, this is an insane deal. That's only going to be around for 48 hours. And so I think that led to a lot of people being like, oh, shit, like here's a product I already like. And now I can get a, a, an insane price on it. And so I think people took action on that. Meet and you fam, have to be on the email uh, list to get notified of all these deals, too, then. So that forces people. Well, that that grows your email list, which which grows your customer base. Yeah, you don't have to be on. So originally, like 95% of our revenue came from email marketing. So mm-hmm. I've made millions of dollars uh, and our company has because of email. But nowadays, we've diversified our traffic so that we're not as dependent. Like if Gmail puts us in a spam folder one day, we don't get screwed. Um, the other products, in hindsight, it's hard to say. Like we, like we built this, this tool, Meet Fam, which was an automatic email sender for Shopify stores. So okay. let's say, you, Richard, you created a store uh, for T-shirts and you want to send emails. You literally could connect the store and we do all of your email marketing automatically. Um I think it was a little bit complex and I think people wanted a little bit more control over it. So people wanted to actually send, they wanted to like touch their emails more than our ones we generated. Like, ah, I don't really like the way this looks. Um, I think what we could have done differently in that business is done more consulting and done more like manual, like, Hey Richard, let us run your email marketing. And we do that for enough time. Uh, and then we can figure out some solution. Uh, there's other reasons. Like people didn't want to switch from Clavio. I think what, what happens is a lot of people start businesses or they get fantasies about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if the validation is really strong that this is going to be successful or not. I think most businesses, 100%, you can find out within a weekend whether it's going to be successful or not. Within yeah, a weekend. You should be able to know very, very quickly. I mean, the way you know is if people are willing to give you money. The thing that that always drove me bonkers, you know, with a lot of um, tech companies, and it's, I find it strange that you come from that background and you don't subscribe to the notion of, just building an audience, like just building users, like acquiring people onto something like Facebook. And then let's worry about monetizing it five, 10 years down the road. We'll just keep raising funding until we get to that point. And that, mm. and that always drove, drove me like nuts. Like I always bring the hand up like high in the head. It's like, you know, Seinfeld, where you're like, when you go up here, you're like, oh, that drives me crazy. But like, I've always loved to bootstrap my stuff, right? Um, 
Let me ask you this question. Um, what do you think the most important skill is for an entrepreneur um, in order to be successful? I've have thought about this a lot lately. Yeah. Have I would say have issues? daddy issues. <laughs> Why? I'd say have daddy issues, number one. Uh, I think have dad issues because you want to prove yourself. So it doesn't have to be a dad issue. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the thing I think is the most important skill or I'll give it to, but I think the people that have had some chips on their shoulder and have something to prove is definitely excelled because they've like, I've got to get through this hard part. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I wanted my dad to, to acknowledge me because I felt like I, I didn't get enough attention when I was younger. And then as I started making money, I was, I thought that would get the attention. It didn't. Uh, and so eventually you have to like yourself and things like that. But I definitely think having some uh, levels of that, like Steve Jobs was adopted. I think that definitely impacted a little bit uh, of his success. But I would say in terms of like actual skills that people could practice and I can give people tips on how to do it. Number one is persistence. It is fucking a grind. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's easier than others, but like I'm doing full-time YouTube. There's days where I launch a video with our team and I'm like, I'm the greatest superstar out there. And there's days like today we put a video no one watches it. Right. And it's being able to fucking go on the next day. So I say persistence. I tell people to do the coffee challenge. That's kind of what I got known for, which is go out and get rejected. You go out What's and ask the coffee for challenge. So you go out you, when you get your coffee, so the coffee mm -hmm. mug, and you say, when you go to Starbucks or whatever in Canada, Dunkin' Donuts or Tim Hortons, and uh, you say, hey, I want 10% off. And you can do this when you buy anything. And they say no. Or maybe they say yes. Who cares? The point is you get rejected. And that really builds up your, your, your kind of fear muscle, but also your persistence muscle. Because you're like, all right, well, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. And eventually you're like, you know, you, you talk a lot, you know, help guys with dating and, and advice and women. And a lot of it is like, all right, keep going. It's fine. So I think persistence, you know, my, one of my favorite quotes my friend says, persistence beats resistance. Uh, so I'd say that's number one mm. that I love. And the second thing I'd say as an entrepreneur uh, personally is real, you know, follow through. I can't tell you how many sales I've done in my life. And I've done millions of dollars in sales from actual sales, as well as online sales that just because of the follow-up, follow-up email, follow-up call, follow-up text, follow-up WhatsApp message has closed the deal. Uh, and so many people email me and like, or email, I'm sure you get emails all the fucking time. Hey, Richard, I'd love to do something with you. Never follow up. So I still, I owe you a follow-up actually for the book notes, but it's still in my to-dos. I'm going to do it. And it's just like, you got to follow up on your things. And I think that that separates a lot of winners from losers. Mm -hmm. I think losers send one Instagram DM to some girl or one, you know, one message to some company they want to partner with and they call it a day. And they're like, oh, it didn't mm -hmm. work. It's like, did you really want it? If you want it, follow up. Mm. I've, I've, um, you know, like I mentioned, I've thought a lot about this and I think if I were to like b distill it down to one thing, I would say having, having the ability to solve problems. Mm. Um, Gumption is very important to, you know, like having that grit, like you talked about, but I find that when you start up a business, it's, it's really just a sequence of problems that you have to deal with. And if you can get good at finding solutions to problems, um, you can get good at business. I mean, it's the same thing with women. It's like how you were talking about the 10% rule and dealing with rejection. There's, there's a large demographic of men out there today that don't know how to deal with rejection with women. And I mean, they would be no good at, starting up a business or doing sales calls and stuff like that at the same time. But I think that's an important um, thing to mention too. Um, I like the resourcefulness one. I definitely think that's a, that's a great one. Yeah. Um, what are you super passionate about today? Is it like your YouTube channel? Is that like, like, like the whole focus of your thing? Do you do anything with AppSumo on a day-to-day -day basis or is that for like other people to deal with now? Yeah, that's other people that like it more than I do. I mean, I, I love what it is. I enjoy the company. Um, I don't think I enjoy the day to day. I did it for enough. I did it for as much as I, I wanted to. And the people who are running it are better than me. I think mm -hmm. that that's kind of a hard thing as we get older to accept what we're great at 
and accept what we're not great at and let that go. Yeah. And uh, yeah, my days, honestly, I love making YouTube. I get like I'm, my career literally is kind of talking to you right now. Like how fucking cool is that? I get to hang out with you. I make videos. Meet I cool dig people. It. Yeah. And I get to be a part of, I, I love tech still. So um, I like that. I still get to be a part of AppSumo, which is, you know, it's promoting a lot of the, the latest technology mm-hmm. uh, for entrepreneurs. I got a I got a comment here from somebody. It looks like they he says when I when I first started internet marketing, the first copywriting resource I used was AppSumo's thirty five email templates. Every business needs stolen straight from the experts outboxes. Made six figure sales from my first cold call email campaign that I made, and that's what I learned in that PDF. So, dude, hell yeah, that. that's pretty cool. Dude, send me send me a check. <laughs> Just kidding, congrats, dude. I'm happy for it. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. I always love it when people send you emails and DMs like, I love your shit. You saved my life. I'm, you know, like I feel so much better. I understand things. Yes. Now. I just think to myself, cool, man, send me a PayPal. It'd be awesome too. <laughs> I, mean, I, think, I think at some point, I mean, you know, what's funny. I'll tell you, I never really liked, I liked, I've been blogging since 2000. You can go to yeah. archive.org and see, I've been blogging stupid shit and great shit since then. But I always thought I was dumb and I was always kind of scared of accepting being out in public fully without apology, not, not without apology, but just being out fully. And I'll say like, I just thought maybe I thought myself was stupid or didn't really help people. And a year ago, I was talking with a friend. He's like, you sure it's not helping people? And I finally started looking at the comments and I started listening to the people. And I don't, mm. I don't know how you do it, Richard, but I reply to almost every single YouTube comment. And I, you know, we, at this point, I don't need more money. I, I do take more money and I enjoy more money, but I, don't, I, I try not to focus on it as much. But I fucking love the comments. And I love going into YouTube and like replying to the comments or see people getting the results and like, you know, it gives me a lot of satisfaction. I feel like I'm helping these other underdogs uh, kick ass. So here's a little sales pitch for Noah's channel. You can just look it up under Noah Kagan. And uh, it's spelled K-A-G-A-N. Don't spell it the wrong way like I did when I set up the event. But uh, yeah, pull it up and check out his stuff. He's got some really good videos on there. I'm subscribed and I definitely watch uh, some of the interesting ones. I like how you kind of pivoted into like uh, um, breaking down like success stories. Like I watched the other one the other day on um, Warren Buffett. Mm. Um, you, you've done a few different things on the channel. Like you've moved from one to the other, to the other sort of thing. Like, what did you start out the channel doing? Dude, it's so wild. And I think we're pretty, I would, I won't say advanced, but I think we're cracking some codes that are going to take us to these next levels that I'm happy to, to talk about. Yeah. So when Corona hit in February, March, and I think everyone was like, what the fuck is going on? I got really excited. I, my natural state is thriving in chaos. Yeah. So the more chaotic things are and the more things are kind of confusing, I'm, I just get very excited. Like for me, when it's the same, like if I go to sleep and it's the same thing every night, I'm like, how do I change it? And I'm trying to actually get better at that, to be honest. Like I'm trying to get better at being more enjoying the consistency of life and sustainability. But yeah, so March happened. I was like, shit's going crazy. And I was like, yeah, this is go time. So I started just making videos again, talking about like, what am I doing with my stocks? What am I doing with my business? What are we doing at our company? Uh, and I just try to help people during that time period. And it was just so fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And I just said, fuck it, man. You like this stuff. Like, figure out how to make this something that you can do forever. And so the first videos were just me shirtless with using my phone, being like, hey, here's what I'm doing today. Like, let's go fucking make some stuff happen. And then I, one of the things I talk about on the channel is the law of 100, which mm-hmm. I think I think is true. It's not technically a law, but all laws are man-made. Uh, and... The law is basically make 100 videos or do 100 sales or talk to 100 girls or women, whatever it is. And so I did 100 videos more or less last year. We got to about 100 at the I think the beginning of this year. And like a few of those videos worked. 
in terms of like getting to like five or six figure views. So it, it, it's been a it's been a grind, but also satisfying to find something that I, I enjoy. I also like the the marketing aspect of it. Like, how do I crack this code to entertain people, help them and, I'll, you know, and grow an audience at the same time? Yeah, I've, I find it fascinating, too. Like, I like that you can run it as a company of one because because I'm at the stage now where I don't want to deal with um, corporate issues, employees going to an office and all that <laughs> stuff like I got out of my business. My brother runs it now. I just kind of, you know, do some consulting. I do a weekly show on my other channel, uh, you know, for that business actually on uh, Saturday morning. So Total Debt Freedom is a channel, 9 a.m. Saturdays, me and Andrew are on doing that. But I'm just looking here at your older videos and like you've got one, two, three, four rows, five rows before you hit 221,000 views on one of your videos, which is three years ago. Slack tutorial, how to Slack like a pro in less than five, is that five hours? Five minutes. So why did that one break out for you, do you think? What's actually interesting is that I... Because everything I up to that point was getting like 2,000, 3,000 views, and, th and then that one got 221,000. Yeah. I think what's what's interesting, though, is that like I've gone through... I think like I have the entrepreneur disease, which is, oh, my next thing is going to be easier and better. And mm -hmm. I think every entrepreneur yeah. thinks this. Yeah. It never is. It honestly never is. But I started YouTube, and basically one of the guys... I, I didn't have anything to do. And I didn't know what to do with my life. And one of the guys I worked with is like, why don't you just get on video and we'll make videos together? <laughs> I'm laughing because I did the exact same thing in 2014. I was like, I hate my business. I don't want to do this anymore. I like fast cars and entrepreneurs. Let's go do this shit instead. And I get it, dude. It's exact same thing. Yeah, I think for most people, let's just go back to what you enjoyed as a kid or go do th go work on things that you'd work on for free. Did you like, do you follow James Altucher? Because that's something that I've heard him say a lot. I like James. Yeah, James is a friend. Yeah, like one of the things that I heard him say, I was at this conference a few years ago and, you know, he was there with his ex-wife at the time and he was talking about how, you know, you like have these, have this like idea sex and you just mash up two ideas and like, what did you do when you were like 11 or 12 years old and you lost track of time sort of thing? It's like, yeah, it sounds, you know, it sounds very reminiscent of those uh, narratives. Maybe it's um, a Jewish thing. I don't know. But I, I think generally it's like, if you want to make the most money possible, just go find the thing you can work on for free forever. What does that mean when, when, when Jews say it must be a Jewish thing? Because I used to have this Jewish roommate when I was younger. And <laughs> you actually remind me a lot of him. Like, like, he's, like he's gone on to become a very successful lawyer now. But we got on great when I lived with the guy. Like, what does that mean? It's a Jewish thing. You ever meet Jews? I don't know if other people who are not Jewish. But Dude, I used to live it, with a Jew. Do you, you, you can kind of tell they're a little different, right? A, like, you're like, oh, a that little guy's different? Kind of a little different? No, they're like hyper. They're like... I have to go and do this. Come on, man, let's go. It's like, where's my Ritalin? Like, yeah, we you know we probably saying? invented Ritalin. Probably, uh, right? Um, and it, Well, to be clear, I think there's also a very interesting distinction about an American Jew versus an Israeli Jew. What's the difference? An Israeli Jew is just a, a little more chutzpah, a little bit more pressing. They live in a smaller environment. They're even, they're more extreme mm. uh, in terms of direct. Like, they're like, hey, and, and the language is like, I'm learning Hebrew. A lot of language in Hebrew is like, it's all contractions. Like, you know, in America, we have this, like, Israel's like, yo, we're a small-ass country. We used to have more enemies around us. Or we don't have enough time to, like, deal with, like, a lot of stuff. So it's, like, contractions, immediacy. Um, it's an interesting culture. I think in terms of Judaism, when you say it's a Jew thing, I, I, I think one of the best words my friends call me is neurotic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I think it stems from, you know, Judaism is kind of a culture based on community and based on questions. Like, our, the culture is encouraging you to ask a shit ton of questions. And it's like, why is that? What do you do this for? And that, that's kind of what we're, we're, we're taught. Why, why, why? Like keep asking why over again. Yeah, yeah. Got yeah, the, the Jews do that. And then, you know, we have these kind of women in our culture, my mom, that 
just a very unique breed of woman, like overbearing, imposing, loving, strong, just very specific that I think create these certain type of men. I don't know how to describe myself, but definitely uh, a little different. You have a, um, I just sorted your videos by popularity. You have one here on the top, looks like five. Mr. Steel Yo Pennies, why Jewish people are taking over the yeah. world. <laughs> that one didn't seem to do so well with the like to dislike ratio. I, I understand. I, that's a video I'm not sure I would put out today. Not something I want to get into or like debate with other people. I was, yeah, I was, yeah. in Isra I was living in Israel at the time. Okay. I'm happy to talk about it. It's just interesting that this one culture and there, there are um, conspiracy theories. Like you can look on Wikipedia. Like oh, there's why a lot the of dudes that will blame the Jews for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Also there's conspiracy theories. Why are the Ashkenazis, the, the lighter skinned Jews mm -hmm. uh, so successful? So do I know? I don't know the answer. Um, so, so what's next for you with the channel? Like where are you going to go with this? Have you, have you completely pivoted to like, breaking down how Mr. Beast made $97 million a year and why, and why Warren Buffett does what he does sort of thing. Like, is that a, is that a commitment for you now? You know, I will say, you know what I think about success? The more successful you are, the more boring it gets. Mm -hmm. Why do you say I don't that? Know if you ever feel, I feel because you find what works and then you're Too like, easy. well, yeah, you're like, ah, I have to keep doing this. So that's hard. Like if something's boring in your business, it means you're doing well. Uh, we were doing these videos breaking down people. So breaking down Warren Buffett, breaking down Mark Cuban, two things. One, it does get boring to say, hey, here's how we're breaking down people. And most of them are kind of the same thing. So it's not actually that it becomes not interesting for us to create. And I think for the audience, but I would say initially when we started breaking down, we broke down Mr. Beast in the first video. Mm -hmm. And it was like our first like huge video of the year, it did 400,000 views. And so our strategy at AppSumo.com and uh, within our YouTube channel as well, the way we've always run our business, like if something works, 10 exit. Mm -hmm. I know Grant talks about this shit, but I, I don't think people actually get what that means. Like if you find it, so for us, we found that how to make money breakdown works on YouTube. You go look at our channel. It's like every other video now is like a breakdown video. I noticed um, that, yeah, yeah. And so we're pretty obsessive about finding what works, but what, what we're noticing is it's not working anymore. There, so there, if you look at- They're really well researched. Is it is it something that you invest your time into research and to lay out all the data or does somebody do it for you? Like, So we have a, we have a full team. Uh, I'm happy to talk about that. So I spent this year, 2021, I'm going to spend a million dollars on our YouTube channel. You're going to spend a million dollars on the YouTube channel? Cash. Dude. Keep going. We're, keep talking. Yeah. We're spending a million dollars investing. <laughs> I'm getting in antsy here like shaking because I know that YouTube doesn't pay like... I know what the ad re you revenue money. looks like. It's 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 fucking peanuts, right? We make from YouTube ads directly. We make five thousand dollars a month, right? And then I give, I don't, I guess I give, but like the team that works on the channel takes two thirds of it, and then our company takes a third of it. I want them to be motivated, so as the channel grows, they get compensated. Okay, so they're um, getting paid like a commission, like a percentage split. Well, plus salary. I mean, the yeah. other salary, and that's like their bonus on top of it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so we found that those videos, I'm happy to talk about our budgets and all this stuff, but we found that yeah, those yeah. videos work. So we went crazy on it. We, you know, we're trying to, we were trying to find series. So what are content angles that we can repeat? So mm -hmm. the, how do people make money was a series. The other series that's worked really well for our channel is business ideas. Mm -hmm. So, um, we go, we partner with different companies that have data and we're like, Hey, what are the top businesses that people can start? Every one of those videos has banged, has banged. And then we do a video called Million Dollar Weekend where I show people how to start a million dollar business in a weekend. Mm -hmm. Those have done well. I just hate doing them. So I think that that's kind of the, the challenge in all business. Like, what do you want to do in the world? What people want to pay for? And then like, how do I fucking play in the middle? So I yeah. will say though, I'm, I'm very excited though. Um, we're trying to figure out series, but also just to have more fun with it, man. 
I was talking to my business partner about our upcoming content. And it was just like, he's like, do you actually, he's like, no, you don't have to make any more money. Like you have more than enough. Like, do you want to make any of these videos? And I was like, yeah, they're okay. He's like, well, stop, dude. Just go fucking find the ones you're excited about. So I'm going to read off a few of our upcoming ones where we've been brainstorming on, which is like, uh, my old managers roast me. Uh, why I hate Clubhouse and I hate everyone who talks about it. Uh, I wish all these old guys would stop telling me to invest in Pokemon cards. I don't know. Just like, <laughs> oh, just fucking funny shit. Like, is Ty Lopez a scam or not? Yeah. Uh, I want to, one of our videos we're talking about is running. That one will do well. Yeah. I mean, we just did Grant Cardonia scam. Uh, one of the videos is like, I want to run someone's company for 24 hours mm-hmm. to see like, what the fuck I could do to it. I don't know, just more like more. Uh, we're trying to do the series and, and our, our angle is business. Like I'm my expertise yeah. in startups and marketing. And so just trying to have a, you know, I, the way I've thought about our content, you know, is some of the videos are like this can get 5000 views or this is a 6000 view vi- or six figure video or the seven figure. And so trying to, I guess, increase the pie of how many potential people would want to watch one of our videos. And I think a lot of people are they make a video. I'm like, how many people would actually want to watch that, even if it's the best one online? Uh, so. A little bit earlier, you were saying that your goal for the year is to get the channel up to a quarter million subscribers. Uh, as yes. I look at it right now, it's got 131,000 subs. So that's totally doable. I mean, we're in February. You could do that very quickly, in fact. Well, why do subscribers matter to you? Like, why not revenue? Why not uh, total views? Like, why not some other metric? Because in my experience, I don't find subscribers to be that important. Like, I, I've hidden the subscriber count on my channel. Because I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It's not relevant. Um, the channel will have a million subscribers at some point. But when people track it and they kind of compare it to other people's channels, the thing that I find that they don't understand is when you have a subscriber number, it doesn't mean a lot because your videos don't reach all of your subscribers. Your videos reach who YouTube wants to send them to based on an algorithmic profile on what people do in the first thousand ten thousand views you know when it gets sent out so i'm just wondering why it's subscribers for you like why does that matter we could choose any it's well at the end of the day it's all arbitrary Mm. (laughs) i mean you could so we're not so as we came into the year we originally going to focus on breaking even it was like hey let's get the channel to break even so it's self-sustainable and i went to my business partners and i said hey we can break even or we could try to really grow the channel significantly and if we grow the channel significantly, I think it's going to really benefit all of our businesses. Like everything we've created, now we can put water on it. Um, mm-hmm. If you know my brand gets larger, and they said, "Yeah, that's great. Go invest in in your brand and your audience, in this audience, so that as you get larger, you can tell more people about AppSumo or other products we're creating." And so then it was like, "All right, well, what's a good measurement of the audience?" And so we actually originally looked at like we called it total available mar- total available audience, um, and it was basically like. No, it was called Margarita, monthly active readership or some shit like that. And it was like mm-hmm. every audience from Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, all these different things. And it was just too hard to grow at all. It was like hard to grow my Instagram and my YouTube and my Twitter. And so I was like, all right, let's just pick one. So we picked YouTube. And then the subscriber goal feels the most controllable. It feels like if I do things that I think w- will impact our growth, I can easily see that making an impact on our, our subscriber number uh, directly. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot of times people do they do goals and it's like, can you control it? Not really. So that's not a goal. Uh, I, yeah, I think there's things like, you know, just because you have a lot of subscribers doesn't mean you have a lot of viewers. It just feels for me right now to be the most indicative of the success of the channel. Got it. Um, 
do you think that YouTube is a place where, I mean, on a balance of probabilities, most people should spend their time if they want to grow an audience? Like, is that the best place in your view? Or like, like, 100%. I mean, you've got a video here about Clubhouse as well, and I haven't used it because I'm not an Apple user. I have an Android. So they've excluded me from their club. But oh. um, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's your view on like the, the best platform to grow your business on? Like, is it still that? 100% YouTube. 100% YouTube. A lot of people get scared off because they're like, oh, you know, I wish I had done it in 2010 or whatever. And it's too they're late. They're going to wish they did it in 2021, 100%. Yeah, and so I think, I think YouTube, people are like, even crypto, and we can talk about that a little bit. I'm happy to share my numbers. Uh, I think YouTube is going to be one of the number one job creators in the next 10 years. Number one. Why? You don't need any fucking money. You could do it wherever in the world, and you could do it for whatever you're interested in. And the next generation, like the next president... The next A-list celebrities, most of them are going to come from YouTube. I, I think TikTok and Clubhouse and Instagram, I don't think bring quality audience. I think as I've seen from the YouTube channel, one, it brings you an audience. It pays to host your videos and then they pay you ad money. Mm -hmm. That's fucking bonkers. Like name other businesses that do that. And the audience that I've seen that like watches your show, like Dan and Raymond and the people that are showing up today and the ones who watch on my channel. I've just never seen a marketing medium that's brought this many great, amazing customers and you know, audience and potential customers. I just haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, the algorithm is good when you figure out what it wants. Um, is there anything that you hate about YouTube? Like, is there anything that you don't like about it? Or if you were like Susan, like that you would change right now? Yeah. I think what gets challenging is there's times it feels like a treadmill. There's times where it's... Yeah, it's just like I can't like I'm on vacation in Puerto Rico and I'm stressing like I have my so like I have my that's my camera bag with like a bunch of setup gear and it's just you have to make content. Yeah. And, and you know, at the same time, that is a job of sorts, right? Like if you're trying, I think that's where people struggle with YouTube is like, I want to be successful and I'm trying to be a channel. I'm trying to build a business. It's like, how long are you going to do it for? If you're not willing to commit to at least 100 videos or 10 years, uh, I don't think you should expect success from it. But I will say there are times where like, I'd like to not to have to make videos, but it does feel that YouTube rewards uh, recency in content. Mm -hmm. But overall, I love YouTube. I mean, I don't have many complaints because look, I don't have to do this shit. So I don't have much to complain about. If you don't want to do it, don't fucking do it. But I like that I get to make videos. I get to interact with smart people like yourself. I get to like respond to comments. And I, I like the creativity. Like I like that lately we're like, how do we make a video where I take over or gave away a business two weeks ago? We bought a company and gave it away. It, it was interesting. I don't know if we'll do that uh, exactly the same way, but it was like, oh, that's it's fun to create these types of new. Yeah, uh, you do some interesting giveaways. I mean, you gave away a, a car, a Tesla, was it? Yeah, we just posted that on AppSumo's video. Uh, yeah. I don't think we did it. I don't think we got as much juice out of it as I would have liked. Like, I think if you're giving a fucking Tesla, you need to, we can, I'd like to see the ROI be crazier. We did mm -hmm. ROI our money back in about, I think it was like three months. Mm hmm. But I think in terms of the content, we don't. I don't think our team, and I think we're we're working on it, making taking a giveaway of a Tesla as a you know really entertaining thing to watch. And I, I think we're improving around that. Well, you got to give away your Tesla, Noah. That was my Tesla. <laughs> oh, it was your car? That was my fucking car. Yeah, straight up gave it away. <laughs> I did buy the new. Uh, I bought the Model Y, which I I love. So I'll probably give that away. Why but do you like right Tesla now, so much? You have you, you've driven one, right? I've driven one. Yeah, but this is like maybe twenty twelve or so, twenty thirteen. Oh, yeah. dude. It's like when you had, it's like from, the, and I know people say this example, but it's like having the iPhone versus a flip phone. Mm -hmm. It's just like, and, and you should try a recent one, man. If you come down to Austin or if you get a chance to go drive a newer one. Well, I got this new one. They got this plaid version, which is like a thousand horsepower. Apparently it like hurts when you accelerate. Like it actually hurts your body physically. I can see that. That I mean, I'm not as into the speed stuff as you are. Um, 
I think the, I think on one hand, it's like, there's so many tiny details and I'm happy to give a few specifics. There's so many tiny details that they just improved on mm. that have just added up to like a huge difference. They're like, I have a Miata. I have a, like a fixed up Miata. That's my mm. weekend ride. And I love it for the weekend ride. But like in terms of just like overall car, like they've done so many nice details. Like the fact that you never need a key anymore. Kind of tiny, but you mm. don't need a key anymore. Your windshield wipers are automatic. You never have to think about that anymore. The mm. car, by the way, fucking drives itself. Mm-hmm. The amount of energy I don't have to think about now when I want to do a road trip or if I'm driving anywhere is is unbelievable. Are you able to do work while the car is driving itself? Uh, I don't, I, dude. When I did my road trip from or in Texas your dating to app, you're like swiping as you're. Oh, going when work. I was okay, I'm I'm safe. Okay, but I, when I was driving to California this summer when I was living there, I had my phone, my iPad, and my laptop out while I was driving. Well, while the car was driving. Because you can put a water bottle on so the the car will just drive, you know, you don't normally now you have to touch the steering wheel to show that you're you're there. Mm. Uh, but you can do a hack to make, you know, so it seems like you're touching the steering wheel. But dude, it's just so far ahead of everything else. Like when I drive like a rental car or other cars, it just feels like such a step back in history. Mm. Um, talk to me about cryptocurrency. What's your experience well, I'm in the, that? Fuck, like- I'm in the Mecca of it in Puerto Rico. This shit is wild, dude. Yeah, this so like, what just, are you into? Are you into like Bitcoin, like Ether, like all the altcoins? Like, what are you investing in? So let me just take a step back and explain my my investing style. I am not a risky investor. Mm. So it's so funny, though, because people always think entrepreneurs, they're fucking crazy and they take all these big risks. I don't think I've ever really taken a big risk. Entrepreneurs are calculated risk takers. Yeah, they're everything I've done. But very calculated. Like when I left Intel to work at Facebook, my mom was like, I can't believe you're doing this. I was like... There's no risk here. Like they already had, we already had series A. So we had some money. I knew it was exploding. I knew there was going to be like a giant business. Same thing. Like when I went to go work at mint, same thing when I started to have sumo, I was like, I don't have a high cost of living. So even if I can just make a few thousand bucks a month, like that's not that risky for me to go do this business. Plus mm-hmm. I have consulting gigs. So with Bitcoin and that, uh, the, everyone's got a Bitcoin story. Oh, I had a friend. He told me it's like, shut up, bitch. If you either you did it or you didn't do it. <laughs> I just, they all, everyone's got a fucking story. It's like, either you have it and the people who have a lot of this shit don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell I'll tell you a quick, crazy story. <laughs> I'll tell I talked to a guy story. the other night that's got yeah. 4,500 Bitcoin. I was like, shit. Okay. That guy, by the way, would you have known if you'd met him and talked to him on the street, would you have known, known no. he had it? They shut the fuck up. Yeah. All the richest people shut the fuck up. Like all the ones like Gary V and all these people who talks, and even myself, like talk a shit ton about all this stuff. Most of them don't aren't that fucking rich. Like the real rich, shut the fuck up. Right. Um. Anyways, the, a guy that was one of our AppSumo customers who I met, he tried to do a startup for 15 years. He was grinding on startups, and f- and then like I met him. Uh, this is probably about four years ago. I met him. I was like, dude, how'd your startups do? He's like, none of them ever worked. But I bought Ethereum at a dollar, and now he's worth nine figures. Mm. So just kind of funny how uh, like you ever seen the movie A Small Time Crook? No, it's good. Oh, oh, dude, I fucking love that movie. These guys try to rob a bank. And to rob a bank, they buy a cookie store. And uh, the whole movie, they're trying to rob the bank. And then halfway through the movie, the wife's cookie store makes a million dollars and they get rich. <laughs> so it's kind of like, a, I, I like, it's like, like one of those stories where they buy the cookie store beside, beside the bank to like dig yeah, underneath. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Exactly. So for me, my, I'm not a crazy, you know, for how much money I have, I, I like a lot in cash. I like seeing it. I've tried as now I'm in my, you know, I'm almost 40. Like I'm trying to be a little bit more, actually more risk taking in it. But generally with crypto, uh, my personal story was everyone in our company bought it uh, in 2013. And I was like, you guys are fucking retarded. It's fake money. And then in 2016 or 2015, 
I needed to buy an illegal NFL stream. Straight. So there's a site. It's still online. I still use it. It's called Seasons for You. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seasons for and then you. And it's you can get amazing streams of any sport team or like MMA for a hundred bucks. Yes. But you had to pay in Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Okay. So I was like, ah, fuck. So I went and bought the Bitcoin and I bought the stream and I still pay the, I pay these guys every year. And I used the crypto and then I was like, holy shit, I can see where there, this is interesting. I can see. And I think that sometimes if you're not, if you don't get NFT, which I'm getting really into or trying to understand it, I'm not getting into it. I'm trying to, you've, you've heard about NFT? Yeah. I watched a video the other day by Alex Becker talking about it. I just, I get it. I'm still not going to throw my money at it. Sometimes it seems like it's dumbasses trying to just get rich. And this is the thing that the Robin Hood traders think is the next GameStop. Like, I still don't fucking understand. Like, GameStop doesn't make sense at these valuations. Like, fundamentally. Um, I think it's the same with a lot of this stuff. It's people chasing. I think it's a lot of gamblers thinking this is how they're going to get rich. And I try to discourage that shit. It's like, that's yeah. not how you're going to... So for me with crypto... People, people yeah, don't sorry. understand that there's no get-rich-quick schemes. Like, anything that exists... like. If you're going to be successful and wealthy, there's there's always work and time that's involved. Like every single overnight success Amen. that I know was Amen. five, 10 years. I would say it's 10 years. Honestly, I'd say it's 10 years minimum. Like it took me 10 years to make my first mill. Yeah. But people are like, oh, I'm going to be a fucking Robin Hood millionaire. And I'm like, that is just not the reality. They don't get it, man. I mean, I started my channel in 2014. I've got almost a thousand. Well, I've I've got more than a thousand videos because there's a lot of videos that I recorded that never got uploaded or maybe got uploaded, never got published. So they don't see like all the work that went in because they're like, oh, well, you know, your channel just blew up. No, I I, I published like a thousand videos. That is exactly, so for me with the crypto shit, it was like, I, I don't try to get, I talked to this investor, one of my favorite guys on YouTube, uh, more on Twitter and his blog, his name is Aswat Damadoran. He's a NYU finance professor and he is awesome. And he said to me, he's like, investing is not how you get rich. It's how you stay rich. And I think unless you're a professional investor, unless you're Warren Buffett and you want to dedicate your life to it, which these guys aren't, these guys read some bullshit on WSB, Wall Street Bets, and they go crazy on some trades and they think that's how you get rich. And I, I'm, uh, I guess, tr- more traditionalist where you fucking make money with business or content like on YouTube, whatever it is, and then you stay rich by investing smart. And so with crypto, uh, when it was $400 in 2015 or whenever that was, I put it $7,000 and then I dollar cost average $500 a month since then. Mm. Um, and so my, my crypto is now worth like 1.2 or 1.3 million. And then since then, uh, I bought, I bought, I call them lotto tickets because I think they're dumb. They're dumb tax. Uh, I don't fully understand it, but I have some friends who are now multimillionaires on crypto. And I say, Hey, I'm willing to, to to risk 10,000, 20,000 bucks. So what are the stupidest coins or coins that you guys are recommending? Mm -hmm. Um, so I have like, let me pull them up, but these are the ones that my friends who are studying it and into it. But I'm also often, not expecting to get rich. Oh, how sorry. often do you throw ten thousand dollars at one of those? Like, is it every every month, every week, every quarter? I'll see. To me, I you know I think the way that you should approach finances. This is from my stepdad. Is asset allocation. So that's how I've always done it. Which is like, how much percent of your net worth do you want in different things? So cash, real estate, equities, and risky. That's that's how I balance it out. And mm-hmm. so I want around fifteen percent in risky. So up until that point, risky to me is anything I'm okay losing. So ideally, it's something that's risky or I'm Would you call Bitcoin or, risky right now? Uh, yeah. You still think it's risky? Like it's still yes. in the risky category for you? Yeah, big time. Okay. I think the volatility is risky. I think people can put in and be like, oh, it's got to go up. It's like people are fucking retarded that I can't say the R word. People are stupid when they think <laughs> stocks. No, one of the guys on my team tells me not to say this. So I'm trying to be better about Dude, this. Dude, I don't, I don't understand this new level of political correctness. Let me tell you this story. 
You know, I was walking with this chick one one time that I was dating. You can't even say, just, hey, don't say chick, Richard. Don't say chick. That's a my fact. channel. I can say chick. I was walking with this chick and I don't know. I said something like that's retarded. And she like stopped and she got really offended. And she's like, you can't say that word and started like tweaking out and shit. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Sorry, why? And she, you know, proceeded to give me this entire like list of reasons. I was like, oh, okay, we're we're just about done here, sweetheart. Anyway, back to your story. Sorry. <laughs> I don't even remember where we're going. We're talking oh. about crypto and the risk. Uh, yeah. So, well, you know, the risk quick profile. Plug, of Bitcoin. Quick plug. If you guys have not bought. So I have bought straight up Richard's book and I really enjoyed it. The Unplugged Alpha. So if you guys have not bought it, it's a fun read, man. You have like a really interesting way of talking. It's really fresh. It's crisp. It's not politically correct. Oh. Uh, and honestly, that, that that was enjoyable, man. I, I am I'm sending you the notes. I'm putting on my to do list for today. But I took a bunch of book notes from it. And generally, if a book is good, I have a shit ton of rabbit ears. Mm -hmm. uh, or highlights in my Kindle, and I had a lot. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from the book? Like, was there a belief that you had to update? <laughs> you know, I think with books, it's always interesting what you remember a month later, mm -hmm. right? Like the first week off, you're like, oh, I'm going to do all these things. No, I do remember talking to you just after you read it, and you're like, you know, I'm not sure, man. <laughs> I was on a date two weeks ago, and I, I asked the girl, I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, no, are you being a beta here, or are you being an alpha? Okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. that's kind of from your book, dude. Okay. Well, I got you thinking. You know, I got you. Thinking you got me thinking. Yeah. I do think about the alpha thing a lot. Like my friend, um, you know, she's right here. So, but he was doing some stuff, and I was like, "It's pretty alpha, man." Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think your book, at the end of the day, is it's not about not giving fucks because I think we, you know, we we do care. If if you had, if, if as we become better friends, if you had an opinion of me. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck about anybody. Like, I don't think that's helpful if I think, you know, potentially you have good advice. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Just being more of a man. I think that's something we talked about a little bit on the text. Like, what is a man today? And not saying you have to do Richard's philosophy of it, but just at least internalize it and process it. There's parts of it. And I like that your thing is like, be a fucking man. Yeah. That's, well, I mean, if you want to get women to respond positively and have the world respond positively to you, there's, there's certain... Like there's certain beliefs that we've had crammed down our throats since childhood that we kind of have to give up that are unfortunately not true. And that's really what the you know book is all about is let's kind of dive through a bunch of chapters and a lot of these stories and let's see if we can get some guys some better results out of life. Yeah. Well, I was just trying to think about like being okay with whatever life that you're, you actually want. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, if, like right now I'm dating and I'm like, it's kind of fucking great dating. So yeah. I'm just going to keep doing that and not being, not feel guilted this there's jewish guilt but guilted that i have to be in a relationship or i should be making kids right now and stuff like mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. are you are you planning on getting married and you know having kids is, is that something that you want to dive into like we can dive into that we can talk crypto we can talk i, I mean i'm more into the the crypto stuff but yeah the dating oh, we stuff. don't have to leave the crypto yet you want to hang out on crypto we can hang it's out your on show crypto, baby yeah. we can do all right oh, so okay so question for you so what percentage of your portfolio is bitcoin all right let me pull it up versus the other like alt shit oh points. of the alt stuff yeah. Okay, so I think I have about 1.5 million all in with all crypto. Mm -hmm. Here, I'll just show it because I think sometimes people talk shit. I'm like, just show it, bitch. Um, all right. It's so funny this is that it's funny that you can say bitch, but you can't say chick. Dude, that's offensive. All right, so here's one account. Shut up. I'd say about 80. percent I don't know if you can see it. About 80 percent is in Bitcoin. Focus, okay, 80 percent Bitcoin. Got it. Yeah, it's like, uh, is it not coming in? It's having it's like, a hard time focusing. You got yeah. Ether and Uniswap and yeah, okay. So I would say about, yeah, Bitcoin's at 1.187. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say about 90% Bitcoin, 
10%, 90% Bitcoin, 88% like Ethereum. And then I'll tell you the random shit that my friends. So one of my friends works at Coinbase. Okay. Uh, so he told me to buy Uniswap, Compound, mm-hmm. and AAVE. They're DeFi Ave. tokens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ave. I don't fully yeah. understand them yet. I haven't tried to. And then my other friend who's worth nine figures on crypto, I just said, hey, what are the random ones you're buying? He said, buy VeChain, Cardano, Chainlink, and Polkadot. And mm-hmm. I have about $15,000 into those. And at what point will you get out of them? Like, are you going to get out at a certain percentage increase? Never. Or are you going to wait for Never. anybody to call you and say, here, sell it now? Or are you just going to hold on to it and... Let Give the cream to my rise to the top. Yeah, this is stuff I'm never selling. I've never I've sold half a Bitcoin a month ago to experience it when it was at mm-hmm. 40. Mm-hmm. But that was the only thing I've ever sold. And I've reinvested it back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think I'll sell ever again. Mm-hmm. I don't have a plan. Honestly, I don't have a plan to. I don't need the money. It's kind of funny money to me. Like the fact that it's this high is still kind of crazy. What do you think of Michael Saylor's um, position that Bitcoin's like digital real estate? I don't know if you've you know heard him talk about that. I think if it serves his purpose, it's interesting. Mm. You know, like he's there because he, you know, makes it good. That's the kind of thing I worry about all this NFT stuff Mm -hmm. because it's like, I feel like it's people just trying to make it valuable. Like, oh, it's digital and it's exclusive and it's on the blockchain and you can invest in it. I'm like, well, is it really? Are we just stupid asses following other stupid asses? Do you think that Bitcoin will, like, what's your prediction for the value of Bitcoin by the end of this year? Let me take let me take one step back on this. So my okay. friend who I'm staying with, I went to the room before this chat and he his bank locked his account. They locked his funds. They locked he his has Chase. Fiat front his funds? Fund. Okay. Yeah, his cash. So in Chase, Why? he logged in and his funds are locked. Why did they do that? They said that the the state the state that he's from didn't like something he did, so they just called the bank and had it locked. These the certain funds, and this, my friend's like not a shady ass dude at all. He's yeah. straight up legit. Like I would put my life on it. Like this guy's straight, and so that's concerning to me. Well, that can never happen with Bitcoin when you have your own keys on your cold storage wallet, right? Exactly. So if you're on Coinbase, there's some concern, which I am on a lot is on Coinbase, uh, which I'm moving off shortly. So there's concern, but the, the thing with crypto is like that's kind of nice that no company no uh, government can just take my money and yeah. freeze my ass. Um, price predictions. It, I don't, I don't do could, price predictions because I don't know. And I don't, I don't really think about it that way. And it could be worse. I mean, this could be like a South American country or like, uh, I don't know, uh, what happened in Cyprus where the banks just basically took your money out of your bank account. Cause they felt like it. I think one thing that, that blows my mind about Americans is how naive I am. And we are that we're just going to be the best forever. Like, if you will look at history, and I haven't done it extensively, I think it'd be interesting to talk more historians. Mm. Like civilizations fail. The great people fall. But for some reason, we're like, we're America. We're great forever. Uh, and I think that that kind of goes the same for our currency. So I tweeted this out shortly after Tesla bought $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin because it was only worth 10% of their cash. And between Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Facebook, and Amazon, which would be the top five uh, listed companies. That's interesting holding cash right now you've got uh one two three four five that's a great tweet i'm gonna go retweet that dude it's basically about 600 billion dollars worth of cash they're sitting on 600 billion dollars worth of cash and if they were to do the same thing that tesla did which was convert 10 percent of their cash holdings into bitcoin what do you think that would do to the value of the bitcoin and i think it's going to happen over the next couple of months because sailor just gave out the playbook to all these corporations in his recent conference right so I will tell you, I messaged our leadership team at AppSumo. We're going to probably put a million in from our company. Boy. Um, I think it makes sense. Just going to do a slow clap. Just going to do a slow clap. Thank Thanks, you. Dude, I'll Thank take you for it. doing your part. 
we'll put a million. Oh yeah, we're gonna put about a million in. Um, I believe in it. Like that's why I put it in a long time ago. I think there's something really interesting that there's a universal currency across the entire world that's not run by the U.S. government, and I think there's a lot of promise on it. So I, I think I'm still curious if it's going to be used as a medium of exchange or store of value and stuff that honestly I don't really debate or like get too uh, into the weeds of. I'm just like it's interesting and I like parts of it. What well, I, I like it. Yeah. Um, the only thing I don't like about it right now is is it's is it takes a while to do like transfer still, but um, that's okay. Uh, I just look at it as a store of value. I'm not really looking at it as a form of uh, currency. Uh, Pedro sends a super chat. He has a question on average: How many close friends does an entrepreneur have or spend time with? I have 18. You know that, like, boom! I it's do. 18. Like, because every quarter I do a council of wise men meeting via Zoom. Okay. And we have a Zoom call where the council gets together. Sometimes it's them just giving me advice, and other times it's just us talking life. But it's eighteen guys. Can you and can you name the eighteen guys? You can try. Uh, my brother Seth Kagan, Eric Southwell, who I'm staying with, Marty Motoyama, uh, my best friend from high school, works at Stripe. Uh, Boris Korsunsky, one of the first people at Lyft. John Ross Ray's high school friend, works at Amazon, lives in Dallas. Um, Brian Cotlier, uh, from the Bay Area. Uh, Adam Gilbert, Lloyd, uh, Lloyd Armbrust. Shit. Getting close to nine. That's pretty impressive. I can't name them all. Halfway through. Yeah. Hold on. Well, I can go further. It just takes a little bit more time. But I mean, like the point being is that he's basically asking about your circle of influ influence. I mean, um, I could probably name oh, on Chad. one or two hands, my, my closest friends, but they would have all have been from my time with EO and EOA, but mostly EO. I don't know if you ever joined like an entrepreneur's organization. Like, do you yeah. ever look for those or? I've tried. I didn't find the, the people there interesting, but I will say that my success is 90% from the people I'm around. And mm -hmm. this is going to sound offensive, but I don't really have poor friends. Well, I don't even know that's offensive, but I just like, I was talking to a friend. There's going to be some people that would be offended by that, but that's okay. Uh, they're fucking offended by everything. That's yeah. why I appreciate you at least. Cause like I, I'm still on like, I think I, I'm pretty out there, but not as far out there as you. And I admire that mm. in terms of what I'll, what I'm like, I feel like the R word, I can't say that because the team doesn't like it. But for example, my friend, Joe, who's AKA crypto, Joe, he runs unchained capital. Uh, he's one of the council. He was talking to a friend in Alaska. That's where he's from. Who's a fireman. And he asked me, he's like, do you have any friends that are not like super successful? And I was like, no. And I didn't really, ever, I never really thought about that, but it's not just about money. Cause I'm not a flashy. I don't have all this fancy shit. Like I have nice stuff. Um, but I think it's more, I, I'm, I try to be around people I admire or people that I'm impressed with. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like my buddy, Neville Medor, he's on the council. Like he's one of the best copywriters online and he's just a really happy, creative person. And so I think I'm more intentional than most people about removing people from my life and just being very intentional about like, those are the people that are fucking amazing. So I'm going to do whatever I can to like, I flew to Puerto Rico to, to spend more time with Eric. What is the and, yardstick uh, that you use to like, because what you're talking about basically is drawing a perimeter around yourself and saying, you guys are on the outside and these guys are on the inside. So it's us versus them, which is totally fine. And when we talked on the phone last month, I said, read Jack Donovan. Cause he talks about masculinity and uh, men's nature and uh, you know, like the tribal nature of men, right? So, um, what, like, what yardstick do you use to measure? Like, is it is it the level of their wealth? Is it what they do for a living? Is it the is it like a sniff test? Like, you know, I like this guy, you know, sort of thing. Like, what do you use? It has nothing to do with wealth because I have friends who are billionaires. Do I have friends? It just so happens yeah. to be I, that I, they I, are wealthy. Yeah, I have friends who are billionaires. I have friends who are hundred millionaires. I have friends who are like you know single millionaires. 
Um, the money has nothing to do with it. The money is more an indicative of what they've done to get to that level. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, I'm doing, they're doing interesting shit that I'm impressed with. And I would say it's probably just two things. Like, are they impressive? And then are they happy? Mm-hmm. Like, cause I think I'm a little bit of a neurotic critical person where like I can go through swings of emotions more than most. I think people have different wavelengths of that. And so I really, even if they're like really impressive, but they're kind of Debbie Downers, then I don't, I won't hang out with someone like that. And so I'd say the majority of my friends, like if you met them, it's probably one of the things I'm most proud of. Like my friends are fucking impressive. They're just like awesome. Like, oh, sorry. I was going to ask you, are you fastidious about removing people from your us versus them council? If you find they cross like a bottom line, those people that are in the 18, like uh, they'll never be out. Okay. I don't but think are there people are... that, I mean, there's going to be people that have come and go gone, like over the years, I would imagine that you might've been close with and you're like, nope, that guy double crossed me, that guy, whatever he's now mm-hmm. on, on the them side of the wall. I think one thing I've used, I'll tell you two, two experiences. I think there's one thing I've learned as I've gotten older is that there's, a, there's acquaintances and being okay that they're an acquaintance and not a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend who's a, an old, you know, Keith Ferrazzi's book, never eat alone is a good book on how to make friends and, and networking and stuff like that. But okay. one of the things I think he talked about was that like there's old friends. So I have an old, I have two, I have three old friends. One of them, I like every time I talked to her, it was kind of negative and it was kind of critical of me. And it, like, I wished her a Shabbat Shalom on a Friday. And mm-hmm. she's like, why do you want to keep in touch? Like, what's the point of this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, fuck you then. Like, <laughs> and I stopped. No, this is, that's what I did. I was like, well, fuck you then. Like I'm making an effort to try to stay connected, try to open our communication and have our, you know, stay as a close friend. And it just wasn't there. And I have, I have friends outside of the 18. Like yeah. right. but these are like, yes, how many close friends that that's exactly my number. But there are people that are like, you know, super famous, like everyone in the chat or everyone knows them that I'm acquaintances with. But would I call them if I was in a fucking emergency? Hell no. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, if you have all these famous, successful friends, doesn't mean that they're actually great friends. If, if one of the 18 would come to your front door at two o'clock in the morning, and have a shovel in his hand and say, hey, I got a body in the trunk. I need help. Would you? Uh, probably not. Okay. Probably not. Are there, I would are, let... there, are there any of the 18 that you would do it for? I don't think I would risk my life for that. Got it. I mean, I would risk financially a body. No, like I've had two of them. I've loaned like three hundred dollars to $400,000 without really no agreements, no nothing. And then they're mm-hmm. just like, hey, I need to borrow this money. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I think going to jail or risking my life for them, probably not. Got it. Interesting. This has been a fun talk. Now that is that's, um, that's good. Oh man! But I go to go to dive. Are you going to think about that now for a bit? Well, I have one friend, one of my <laughs> best friends, Adam Gilbert. He runs mybodytutor.com. What He's about your brother? Those... What if your brother showed up at the front door, you know, with a shovel? I don't. Man, think I got to so. get rid of this thing. It's in the trunk. Help me out. I need to think about. No, I'd say no. No. I mean, I. Uh, I would. I'd probably try to brainstorm with them. I'm probably like, here, like, <laughs> you're gonna try I'd to probably, problem solve it as an entrepreneur hang on there's got to be another solution here well i'd probably like I, hey my assistant can be, like distance and my assistant will go do it uh we will hire someone on task rabbit <laughs> uh, maybe put a craigslist gig up <laughs> like okay. i'm trying to, hold on, so you if your brother came to you and he's like i got a body in the trunk i i would not even fucking skip a beat i'd, I'd throw my jack and be like let's go bitch Let's fucking do this. Done. So what level of friendship? Like, so if I, one, I don't know why that your brother's killing people. That's probably something that doesn't matter. Out too. doesn't matter. Did then, you know, his problem is my problem. Han, so who would you do that for? My brother. Both of my brothers, what, actually. I've got two. What about other close friends? Um, I'd have to think about that. It, it depends who it is. 
would I definitely would put it out on TaskRabbit or anything like that. <laughs> no, but I, I, it's not, I don't think it makes you more of a man than me. It's just interesting what level you're willing to go for for these people. That's. I, I think something I'll, I will tell you that I've been really reflecting on, Richard. Yep. I've really been reflecting how selfish I am. Not just this, not because I won't fucking bury bodies. Like, that's a bullshit one to me. Mm. But like, I don't know if, I'll just speak for myself. I don't know if I was always as happy for others as like, they're happy for me. Which is some real fucking real like in, internal shit that I think other people have too, which is, oh, they made, my friend got rich. Fuck, I wish I was more rich. Or my friend got more crypto and he did all that stuff. Or it's, it actually, it, I, I kind of not solved it, but it really hit me home when one of my best friends, one of my best in this, in the circle, his wife got pregnant. And my first thought was not like so happy for this fucking guy, which mm -hmm. is what it, you know, I guess should be. It was like, I'm jealous. Like this guy's so much further ahead in life than I am. Um, and that was a fucking dude. That was like a wake up call to me to be like, you need to check your shit. Noah. like, this is your best dude. Like he would, I don't know if he'd bury bodies, but he would go really fucking far for me. I don't, and, I don't get excited when I find out that somebody's like pregnant. Like I don't No, care. not like, pregnant. I, not that I don't give a shit about somebody else's kids. Like I care about my kid. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I feel like that. But you know, like, let's say like your buddy had this level of success you wanted. And it's just like, it was interesting to just notice. It doesn't have to be the kid thing. It'd be anything. And it was just like, mm -hmm. Oh, Noah, you're, these are people that you should be happy for. Like well, if I got pregnant or, or got money or whatever, they'd be so fucking happy for me. Well, well, here's what's interesting about that. Cause I had a mentor once that said, what, watch what your close friends do when you're successful. If they're not celebrating with you, ask yourself why. Right. I think that's fucking great, man. And so yeah. I think they could be surface level. Like, Oh, I'm happy for you. But, uh, I will say that that made me really reflect on like, Hey, why am I not happy with myself? Cause that's him. It's his fucking thing. And so I just sat with it for a while and I've still like processing, but it's, it is just like, it's more like, what did I feel like I was lacking? And like, and I was like, Hey, I'm actually not lacking a baby. If I want to go get someone pregnant, I can go put my dick in people, get someone that's, pregnant. That's pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's doable. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it's just choosing the right one. So you don't stick your dick in crazy uh, and, and, and then create a whole bunch of other problems on the back well, end. They're all crazy. Just to what level? Yeah, I agree. And so, yeah. So with that, it was just more, you know, starting to work on being more satisfied with everything I have, the money I have, the house I have, like, not necessarily starting to feel like, oh, I need more things to finally feel fucking good. And mm -hmm. it's honestly, since then, it's been, it's been feeling a lot fucking better. Let's um, let's wrap it up on that note because um, I got to get moving. I want to respect your time as well. But this has been a slice. I really enjoy talking to you, Noah. So uh, where's the best place for people to go and find you and what you do? Do you want to send them over to YouTube or? Yeah, if you're on the YouTube world, youtube.com slash okdork, go subscribe. And then appsuma.com uh, if you're starting or growing any online business. And um, guys, I know that some of you have been asking me to put this on podcast form. Somebody uh, even mentioned put it on, on Spotify. Um, I'll be working towards this. This is this is still one of my favorite playlists to work on. I really like having these conversations with interesting people. So look forward to that in the future. But uh, no, yeah, appreciate it greatly. Thanks for uh, you know being so generous yeah, for, for your me. time and uh, being so open with the conversation. It's it's been a slice. Thanks, man. All right, brother. I'll see you out there.